LPMX Network Production. A cerebral and experienced look into the racing action from the week that was. This is Industry Seating with Jason Thomas. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Concept Coatings Design Co., Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. It is February 7th. It's Wednesday. It's a little late this week, so I apologize for that. Uh, just trying to get organized for a busy weekend uh, coming up in Glendale. But we are going to talk about what we saw in Detroit. Went back east for the first time in 2024. And that's the earliest that I can ever remember being in Detroit or Pontiac, where it used to be held for this event. And you can tell, uh, typically, this Detroit track is a little bit more hard packed than you would expect. You know, being that far north and in the Midwest and in the spring or winter, you're going to expect soft conditions, but that's not what we usually get. Uh, it's harder and more slippery and really not ruddy at all. Uh, just going back to the first time we went there back in like 06, 07, 08, in this era anyway, it's always been that hard packed dynamic. Not so much this year, though. And I would guess that's from being the first weekend in February. That has to be the variable that changed that dynamic. And for me, I thought it was a good change. Like I, I like to see different types of racetracks, different challenges for the riders. You know, if it's always hard pack and perfect, and, and we've had two mud races, I get that. But I like the softer, ruddier events. Not Not every weekend, and we certainly won't get that in Glendale this coming weekend. But I just think it adds to the championship and it, it asks different things of the riders and forces them to be more well-rounded. You have to really lock in and think about the racetrack. And it's not as robotic as a hard pack race would be where you just do the same lap over and over. You have to really think and, and stay on point and change your lines at times and constantly be looking for a better way to get through a section. Uh, so I just think it adds a little bit to the racing. Before we talk about what actually went on in Detroit, I do want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, of course, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Concept Coatings Design Co. And I wanted to mention they have a brand new promo code that is CONCEPT10. I believe it's capital C, but try it both ways, CONCEPT10, number one zero, uh, to get 10% off anything that uh, they make, their anodizing, laser engraving, Cerakote, anything that they, uh, that they do. You can get some some uh, save some money there at Concept Coatings Design Co. Works Connection have their brand new skid plates for the 2024 uh, Kawasaki 450. So check those out, and of course, tons of other products at Works Connection as well. Pro Glow Wash TL Speed Shop, which this is their home race this weekend. Uh, Jason and the team will be out in force, and uh, they have a lot of a lot of stuff going on uh, with their business as well. But I'll get to see uh, the TL Speed Shop crew a little bit this weekend. Grant Stone Boots and Fly Racing, of course. So let's just jump into it. The 250 class was not the first ones to take off there. They switched the 450s uh, for the weekend, and I, I think that's going to be the same thing for Glendale. I don't know if that's public yet, but I'm, I guess I'm breaking news here. I, I'm pretty sure the 450s will 
heat races will go first again. Uh, I think the feedback that they got was really good from that. The, the reason they're doing that is they want the stars right away. You know, if people tune in and they don't really know a lot about the sport or they're, you know, they're trying to lure people in. And if you aren't super familiar with the sport and it takes you 30 minutes to get to guys you possibly heard of or the biggest stars of the sport or the main attraction, that's far too long to try to hold anybody's attention span. So that's the thought process behind it, right or wrong. I'm not saying that it, this is the greatest decision ever or anything. I don't, I, that's not for me to say. I'm just telling you what the, the motivation is behind it and the thought process behind it. That's it. They just want the stars out there within you know six minutes of coming on air. That, that's the goal. So that's what we're going to get again for Glendale. And I don't know if this is a forever change or if this is just something that's for now. Uh, that's, I, don't even, I don't think that's been decided. Uh, you know, if I knew, I would tell you, but I, I don't. Uh, but 250 guys, we'll start off with just because it's to me the normal flow, and it's of course how the main events go. Uh, Austin Forkner wins. Uh, that was a that was a huge deal, and that's 13 main events for him. He is now tied for third place overall for the most 250 wins. I think he's tied with Jeremy McGrath for that honor, which is pretty freaking incredible um, when you think about that right he he hasn't won a championship he is third all time for most wins and you think about how star-crossed his career has been i would have never guessed that had i not been told so kudos to austin forkner that had to feel really good for him um on so many levels right emotionally just kind of the reassurance and reinforcement that he could still be that guy and he can still get it done and you know he's 25 years old now which depending on your perspective, sounds old or not. Uh, for a 250 guy, it does sound old, but in the big s- scheme of things, it, it doesn't. Uh, so I don't really know Austin all that well, other than just my interaction with him on the podium and at the races. But I, it left me feeling pretty damn good for him. Uh, I, I don't get anything from it, right? There's no upside. I don't have a dog in the fight other than the story. And I know he's had a really tough time. He's been hurt nonstop the mental struggle and anguish that he has had to deal with through that period I I can relate to. And uh, yeah, so it it was just a feel good moment across the board uh, for Austin Forkner. He rode really well. He was solid. He got the start. He stayed out of all the drama and, you know, typically he's at the bottom of that pile in the first turn. Like that is how things have gone for Austin Forkner, but not this time. And that was a marked difference for him is that he didn't get caught up because as we all know, that would be the storyline. That's the perfect scenario for him to go down, right? He, he would be that guy for the last few years that would have some sort of altercation, come out of it with an injury, DNF the race. That, that's just the way it's gone, and it didn't go that way. So good for him. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if he can keep the momentum going when we swing back east. Max Anstey, solid. Uh, he had a lot of hype and a lot of talk behind the scenes coming in this race. And there were people on both sides of that conversation, right? Because a lot of people were saying that he can't sustain this, right? Yes, is he fast, whatever, but he's going to have a big crash, a mechanical DNF. The team's going to let him down. Something's going to go wrong. That's I heard that over and over and over. But I've also heard from people that watched him ride about how good he looks, right? So there's really opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to what people were expecting 
from Max Anstey. And I thought he delivered. Uh, he didn't win, but he got second and he did everything right. He got a good start. He rode. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't push the issue and try to force the win. He just kind of took what came to him. And I, and I think that's a big thing in these championships where there's a ton of parity and a lot of riders are very similarly skilled. I think you just have to take the good results when they're there. You don't have to go out and try to win every race because that's going to set you up for a big mistake and you're going to lose a bunch of points when you can't really afford to, right? So when the, the results there, the podium's there, make the most of it. Like don't, don't just give away a win, right? If it's, if it's staring you in the face and you're right behind the leader and you think you can beat them, then, then of course try, but don't, go over the line trying to trying to get the win if it's not right in front of you that that's really the the point so i i thought he did just that you know there's a lot of racing left we don't know if this is going to be an every week thing and that's still the question you know those voices that were saying like something's going to go wrong the other shoe's going to drop we'll see uh i don't have a strong opinion one way or another i can understand both sides of the argument because the riding is there the speed is there all those things are in place but I also have seen things go wildly sideways for him. And uh, that's not a brand new theme. Like that's been an ongoing theme. So it's up to him to kind of change that narrative and maintain uh, this excellence that he showed us in Detroit. Daxton Bennett, good job, kid. Um, you know, things went your way, right? There was a first turn pile up. A lot of the stars of the sport were weighing on the ground. But the, the truth of the matter is he can't control any of that. And he just has to race who's in front of him, deal with the people that are around him. Like, that's it. You know, it's, it's no different than you can only race who shows up on Saturdays, you know? And, and I heard that all summer last year. I was like, man, the 450 class is so weak and guys are getting results they don't really deserve. Well, what do you want them to do about it? You know, all they can do is show up to the biggest race in America, which is that pro motocross championship race in the 450 class and go out there and do it. If people are hurt and can't, race that's not their problem and guess what they make more money they get more points they they get all the credit that's a natural part of the sport and this is no different than that this is exactly the same thing for Benick. he can't control if a bunch of people stack themselves up in the first turn all he can do is do the best job he can and that was a podium that was a third place in his first ever 250 main event so i understand the argument but at the same time what if he doesn't get a podium the rest of the way he got one, right? That's, that's all you can, you can't take that away from him. He rode well. He, you know, was able to make the most of Chance Hymas having issues and other people having problems throughout the race. And I'm not going to try to poo-poo it and say, well, if, if this guy and that guy and that guy hadn't crashed, he wouldn't have got it. I, okay, great. And, and, you know, they did crash and there was problems. And Benick didn't get involved in any of that. And he made the most of it. That's kind of how I look at those things. Uh, Chance Hymas. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, and he had a, a knee injury that kept him out of last year, and then he dabbed it in the sand in the heat race. That's why he went backwards, and I didn't know any of this till after the race. And then in the main event, uh, it he, he almost didn't race. They considered not racing the main event, but he decided to tough it out. And then, yeah, damn near almost got a podium. He crashed uh, and lost a bunch of points there, but... I still thought it was a really good showing from Hymas because I didn't have high expectations at all. I didn't really know what to expect, but you figure he rides with the best guys in the world and Jet Lawrence and Ferrandis and Hunter and these guys, he's going to absorb some of that speed. And 
showing up on a Saturday, if you've been racing against Ferrandis and Jet and Hunter all week, it's going to be a lot easier. You know, the pace is going to be a lot more manageable and the talent and racecraft and all those guys, it's just going to be a different challenge. And you could say the same thing for a guy like RJ Hampshire. Look at who he has to battle throughout the week. Malcolm Stewart, Christian Craig, Aaron Plessinger. So yeah, showing up on Saturday is going to be a much easier challenge. Doesn't mean you're going to win all the time. Just what you're facing is going to be a lot harder to kind of take on in that scenario. We can't talk, not talk about Hayden Deegan. Of course, he's one of the biggest stars in the 250 class worldwide. I think we just have to be patient. You know, he wasn't ready. And they can say whatever they want about taking a week off. Like, that, that wasn't true. And I don't want to call them a liar, but I don't know how else to do it. I won't call them a liar. I just think they were, it was gamesmanship of they wanted to kind of keep the talk and the narrative just quiet. So they're like, yeah, we missed, didn't miss much time. We're just going to go out and do our thing. In reality, I think he missed several weeks. Um, and I think he may have or not may have not had a broken or cracked bone. Um, I think there was possibly surgery involved. None of that is substantiated. That's what I believe to have happened. And it really doesn't matter. They shared what they decided to share. And the rest of it's just have, the, you know, that's what happens is you're left to speculate. And then when you don't look as good as you should, then we're going to say, well, yeah, certainly something was up because his qualifying wasn't very good. The heat race was better, uh, and then the main event was was kind of an incomplete with the with the first turn crash. But he wasn't the same Hayden Deegan that was at L, was in L.A. I, I don't think we could say that at all. So yeah, I'm going to stick with my initial judgment and the things that I heard from people I trust that he missed a significant amount of time and and was barely able to make it to the race for Detroit. So uh, he's going to be a lot better. That's the big point of this. That three weeks off will help a ton. And for those of you who haven't raced or haven't gone through an injury like this, once you're back to riding and could ride as well as he was at Detroit, three weeks is an eternity because every single day you're going to make improvements and your muscle memory is going to come back and your fitness is going to get better. And those things happen really fast once you can start riding and especially riding really well the way we saw Hayden. So I, I expect to see a guy that's ready to come out and, and fight for the win uh, the next time we swing east. So just just my perspective on it. Um, I think it was a a good job of him being able to be out there at all. Main event didn't go well. We know that. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we get back to East Coast racing in Dallas, uh, he's going to be legit. He'll be ready to roll. Cameron McAdoo, I don't even know where to start, where to go, what to say. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> yeah, he looked great. I'm just going to focus on the racing. He looked great. Heat race was awesome. He won the heat, uh, but he was very frustrated that Hayden Deegan wasn't being transparent with his injury and Cameron was trying to do that. I, I don't think he was mad at Hayden. Maybe I'm using the wrong word, but frustrated. Um, I think he was like, I just want to tell everybody what's going on. You know, I got, I was injured last year, missed the whole year after Seattle. Then I got hurt again in late November, early December. And I'm not a hundred percent. So I'm doing the best I can. It's going to get better from here, but I'm not going to like lie to people or, you know, kind of shade the truth or however you want to view it just for my own benefit. Like, this is what it is. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, and I, you know, I think he had heard comments from our shows and other shows about like, we couldn't understand why Hayden would tell people that he was healthy when he wasn't. 
I don't understand really the upside of that because the the results on the track are going to tell the story. And I think Cameron was just kind of responding to that and said, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to tell you what's up. And then whatever happens here on Saturday afternoon is, is what's going to happen. So I appreciated the transparency. I'm a big uh, Cameron McAdoo fan. Uh, but man, what it's sad that the storyline was what it was of his, you know, his pants ripping um, and everything that happened after that, then how good he looked in the heat. Uh, and, and the first turn crashes, these things happen. But I thought he rode really well uh, before that happened. Seth Hamaker, I really like this kid. Um, I know he works really hard. He's incredibly nice. He's humble. I like him, period. That, that should be the end of the story. But holy crap, does he scare me. I don't like watching him ride. I really don't. Um, you look at his crash in practice. To me, visually, he looked like he was knocked out. Now, that's not for me to say. I shouldn't even be speculating at that. But visually, that's what it looked like, the optics of it. I'm not a doctor, so maybe he wasn't. But I'm very surprised that he was allowed to race on Saturday afternoon. I don't know the dynamic. I'm guessing he passed concussion protocol that's the only way I could see him being able to race I just I guess I have questions and I'm not even going to ask him to anybody I just am very unsure of how that all went down Um, it looked like most times the way that looked he's not racing Saturday afternoon that's to me that's how it looked and what I would have guessed but alas there he was and then unfortunately he was the catalyst that started the whole first turn pile up which is another whole thing uh, but man, please, Handmaker, calm down. Keep it on two wheels because you are scaring the absolute bejesus out of me. Tom Vial, he just gets an incomplete, uh, similar to kind of what Hayden and McAdoo and these guys, um, we didn't see enough, right? He looked okay. But then when you're laying on the ground in the first turn and you're a lap down and your bike's mangled, we don't know. We don't know. So I'm just going to move along, say he looked pretty good. The bike looked better. He He mentioned that the bike had they had taken significant steps forward with the motorcycle. So we'll see what that looks like next time around. Uh, because I think to just guess based on what we saw is probably not enough information. Like I need to see the whole, the whole race to, to kind of form an opinion. And then uh, the last individual rider I wanted to mention was Pierce Brown. He's ripping. And that was the first thing I noticed on Friday. I went to press day, which I normally don't do, um, but I, I wanted to see the two for the East guys. He, was noticeably faster than pretty much everybody. He looked confident. He looked just, he's putting the track together, like attacking the track on Friday. And then he was the fastest qualifier on Saturday. So what I saw on Friday was verified on Saturday. So I I was like, yeah, okay. Well, that's kind of what I saw. So I don't know what that means for Pierce on the, on the results column, because this is what we've seen from Pierce over the years fast, but inconsistent crashes, all those things. Now you could argue that this is a faster Pierce Brown. And and I would say that's a fair argument to make. I would agree with that. Um, But I still don't know if that's going to be enough to overcome the challenges, the crashes, the mental lapses, whatever, bad luck. I don't care how you want to phrase it, but it, it seems like Pierce finds himself in these scenarios and it really hurts in the results column. So I don't know. Is the, is more speed going to be the difference maker or is he still going to be destined to 
challenging results because of the problems that he, he's had really from the jump, from the, his, his whole career has been kind of one big uh, equation with the same variables of fast, but can't keep it together. The last note I have overall for the 250s is on Triumph. Uh, I was very impressed. And, and I'd heard all kinds of differing reports, like it was a bit unorganized behind the scenes. I heard that from lots of people. Um, so that I think I believe that to be true. There was a lot of uncertainty and kind of just holes in the program, which I think with enough, there's enough people over there, smart people, that they'll figure those things out. And it's a brand new program. So, I'm, you know, you can't be expected to have everything just perfectly dialed right away. But on the racetrack, for people that don't know anything about any of those things, this was a home run, I think, right? To get out there, get sixth. Evan Ferry wins the LCQ, gets a ton of TV time on NBC. Uh, Jalik came from being knocked down by Pierce, getting back uh, into the main, gets sixth after the first turn crash. I thought all the way around, you know, across the board, it, w- it was a win. I-, I really did. And I understand why you could say, like, what do you mean they got six? That's not a win. Well, to me, when you don't know what's going to happen, it could be catastrophic. The bike could blow up. It could look terrible, like handling poorly. They could get bad starts. Like, it could look slow. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And a lot of ways I could have looked at that event for them and said, yeah, this wasn't good. Like, that was not how you want to launch a, a brand new motorcycle. And think about other brands we've seen, like Beta hasn't gone well. Think about Cannondale. Uh, the Husky relaunch, like, way back in the day was awful. Um, you know, it could have gone much, much worse. So I, I give them a ton of credit, even if it was chaotic behind the scenes, even if it was unorganized, even if there were challenges on Saturday in Detroit, when it mattered, I thought they looked really good. And that to, in the end, that's the most important part. So for um, this podcast, what we do is the power rankings in the 450 class. And it's basically the top 10 guys at the time. And I use a big picture look. It has a little bit of last year. It has a little bit of this week. Uh, but it, it's kind of a where do these guys stand overall? And, and I don't want it to be too much bias to Detroit. It's, it's not just about Detroit. It's about their trend. Are they trending up? Are they trending down? Um, Are the results getting better or worse? I take all those things into account and I try to weigh them. And some of them are are no brainers. And then other ones, I have to really look at it from a few different angles to kind of make a decision. And I try to keep it a little bit fluid. And that's kind of a trend thing. If If I'm leaning one way or another and the trend reinforces that, then I'll go with moving them up or down. And, you know, it's never going to be perfect. So if you disagree, that's okay. It's, it's all opinion. Before we jump into those again, let's thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing. They have all sorts of seat covers for power sports and e-bikes, betas, uh, Sarants, everything uh, that, that's out there between power sports and e-bikes. Guts Racing has you dialed. Plum Creek Funding, they are um, able to help you in many, many states now. They're adding new states every week. Uh, But reach out to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding if you have any questions on mortgage, uh, refinancing. I don't know if you'd want to refinance right this second, but certainly buying a new house. People still have to buy new houses. So you want to find out what's the best deal. Is it a 15 years or 30 years at a jumbo loan? Um, And he can certainly help steer you in the right direction. Concept Coatings Design Go got a brand new 
promo code for that. It's CONCEPT10 and off anything that they do. And remember, they have that full race shop in Temecula. So if you need a place to pit for the winter, you want a place that you can have your own bay, a place to call home every day after you get done riding, that's a really cool thing. Uh, and reach out to Benji at Concept Coatings Design Co. for more information uh, that you can check them out on Instagram. Uh, and if you can't get a hold of them, reach out to me and I'll, I'll connect you. Works Connection, all sorts of great things. We told you last year about the new Yamaha foot peg mounts. Uh, there is a promo code as JT23 that will save you some money as well. They have that new chain gauge. They have all sorts of brand new parts for the 2024 Kawasaki KX450. So check that out. ProGlow Wash is a power sports formulated wash that's going to get all of that nasty crud off of your motorcycle. Think about a race like San Diego in the mud. That stuff was, I heard from so many mechanics about how hard it was to get their bikes clean from San Diego. It like turned into like cement after the race. Um, so yeah, something like Pro Go Wash is going to be your best bet in that scenario. TL Speed Shop is, it's kind of like a getaway themed um, adventure, right? And they have side-by-sides, they have trophy trucks, but you can fly into Phoenix. They're based in Wickenburg, Arizona. It's just right up the road and they have everything for you. They, they're a do-it-all one-stop shop and you can customize your rides. You can go to Baja, Sedona, go wine tasting, go to the Grand Canyon, whatever you want, right? And they do it all. They go, they're racing on their own a ton. They did uh, Baja 1000 a couple months ago and they're true enthusiasts. They love this stuff, uh, but they make it so easy to go have a great time, family vacation, corporate trip, whatever, you name it, they have it all for you. Grandstone boots. Um, I have some Grandstones on right this second, actually, at the office. And I love that they branched out into the sneaker game and they've added some women's boots as well. But their product is just so high end and so quality. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to be, yeah, in conjunction with them. And I've, they've been on since the very, very beginning. Uh, Wyatt Gilmore and the team over there, they have really built something special. Uh, so check out grandstoneshoes.com for more information. And Fly Racing, of course, go to flyracing.com. Tons of great deals on closeout stuff, current stuff, uh, whatever, you name it. Snow stuff is obviously super popular right this second. Check out that Formula S helmet, which is by far the coolest thing we've ever done. Uh, but yeah, check out all the sponsors and thank you to them for being involved. So let's check out the power rankings. And at number 10, he's been on and off a little bit, but Hunter Lawrence. And I don't have a ton of accolade to give Hunter Lawrence. You know, he's been okay, but it's not like I can jump up and down and get super excited about Hunter either. Like, it's been okay. That's about as good as I have, right? He didn't qualify day one. And then ever since then, it's been around like, I don't know, eight to 12, you know? Very Christian Craig last year like to me. And I've had conversations with industry people, people that I that I converse with a lot, and they expected a lot from Hunter. And I was like, eh, I was more middle of the road. I, I didn't think he was gonna be necessarily bad. But I also respect the depth of the 450 class. And I, my question to them constantly was, okay, where does he fit in? Who is he better than? Is he better than Jason Anderson? Is he better than uh, Malcolm Stewart? Is he better than Aaron Plessinger? Like, you tell me, because I, I could make the case that he's not. And they would be like, well, look, look at his records in the 250 class. Look at how much he's won. Look at how good he did last year. And I'm like, I get it. But all those same stories were true 
for the guys you're you are talking about and it's his first year in the class and i think there's going to be a learning curve and, and i'm not trying to toot my own horn here I, i'm just saying that was my pushback to the hype and everyone saying that hunter was going to burst onto the scene and do these great things i was just like well don't be surprised if it's more challenging than that because i in the end my real argument was he's not jet and I don't believe he should be considered Jet. I don't think the expectations should be the same as Jet. Um, even though statistics, there you can you could twist some of the statistics to tell you that they should be doing similar on the 450. I don't believe them to be the same caliber of rider. That's just my opinion. You can tell me I'm wrong. I just hold Jet in an extremely high regard. And I, I think Hunter is great. Don't get me wrong. But I think he fits in with a lot of guys, right? He fits in with a whole gaggle of factory 450 guys i put jet above that group i just do and i'm not gonna shy away from that so in the end for hunter to be to do what he's been doing doesn't surprise me number nine i have justin cooper and i just think justin cooper is getting better and you look at his results you look at where he's battling finishing a2 was a huge step forward and then he kind of back that up a little bit in Detroit. You know, the, the main event result wasn't stellar, but you saw him battling in the heat race. And I think he's just improving and finding his way in this 450 class. And that's all you can really ask for because he was not a shoe in to get a 4, 450 deal. He's battling to stay there. And I think he's doing the things you need to do to show you belong. And that's when, in the end, in the 450 elite to be like in a, on a factory 450, that's what you have to do. You have to prove that you belong to you belong in that group and you belong up there. Number eight, Dylan Ferrandis. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things going on with Dylan Ferrandis. He did switch to Dunlop tires this week, um, and you know it's a little bit of controversial move. I, I think in the end he just felt like there was more versatility with the Dunlops than you know the title sponsor of this podcast, Pirelli. So I'm trying to be a little bit careful with that because I respect Pirelli so much. But I also need to be honest and transparent about what's going on. And in Supercross, Dunlop has been doing this for a very long time, right? They, they throw a ton of money at it. They have every factory rider for the most part. And they've developed tires really well. Like, you remember when Bridgestone went away in like 2010? Dunlop threw everything they had at it to get these riders happy and satisfied running Dunlops instead of Bridgestones. They didn't have a choice necessarily. These teams and riders didn't. But Dunlop didn't want to let anyone down on performance either. So when I look back at that, that's been 14 years of steady development on Supercross, specifically Supercross tires to get them happy and everyone able to go out and win with confidence. So to ask Pirelli, who has a much smaller effort, their, their emphasis has not been on Supercross, nor would likely ever be, to have the range of tires and to be able to answer every ask for a rider as picky as Ferrandis. That's a tough thing. That's a tough dynamic to, to find success with. Uh, the one thing I would say is, if this was motocross, I'll put the Pirellis up against anything. And I think Ferrandis, if he could have made it through Supercross happy, would be over the moon thrilled to be running Pirellis this summer. But I don't think it's going to get there. I, I, I don't know if this change is going to go back. I think it's for good now because I think Dylan burned some bridges here. I think he upset some really important people at Pirelli uh, with this move. You know, you don't just 
break contracts and switch tires after five races. Like that's not typically how these things go. Uh, but he did it. He did it. And there, you know, a lot of times there are consequences that come with, with brash moves like that. So the, the one coup, I think for Pirelli, they could say, well, Hey, this was your worst results of the year. You got seventh and you were top six at every other race. That's a, that's fair criticism, man. I'm not saying the tires were the difference, but if you're Pirelli, I feel like you're scorched earth right now. And then you look at the results and like, yeah, okay, great. You thought you were going to go win on Dunlops and guess what? You were, you did worse. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's going to be dicey, right? Because you can't just say that the reason he got seventh wasn't tires. Right. And I don't think the reason he got fourth and fifth was tires either at the opening rounds. Right. It's neither of those things, but there are, there are some hard feelings right now. And that's my opinion is that there are some hard feelings right now. So we'll just see where that goes. Seven, I have Aaron Plessinger, and it's hard for me to put AP seventh because he is coming off the red plate, but I'm just looking at how this race went, um, and, and I don't know what to do with him and Anderson, right? I, I sh- probably should have AP ahead of Anderson, but you look at, like, Anaheim two, Anderson was clearly better than AP at Anaheim two, right? He gets docked, took him off the podium, but he won race two so convincingly. He was second in the first one. This weekend, they battled it out. Um, I'm giving Anderson the nod for now, but it is so tight between those two. So I have them at six and seven, but it's, it's very, very close. If you wanted to make them both six and a half, that's probably how it should be. Uh, but yeah, there, you know, you look at their results, you look at how they've done it. Anderson has been less consistent, but I think he has more top end speed. Plessinger has just been there kind of each and every time, but hasn't blown us away with raw speed quite yet. So that's, that's kind of how I break it down. Number five is Ken Roxon, and third place this weekend is great. You know, and if you want to go back to the last show we did, I had Roxon at seven. So that's a marked improvement. I moved him up accordingly. He looked great this weekend, battled forward. You know, he passed into third place, which is a huge thing for me. Like moving forward to get a podium is a, is a big thing. Uh, and he just looked the part. He looked great. Number four, Eli Tomac. I don't know what the hell that was. It had to be something with the bike. Uh, I heard he had some shock issues. I don't know the specifics. I did hear some specifics, but I not from someone that I like would trust or know to be truthful or informed, I guess. Um, so I'm just going to stay away from the specifics of it. But I did hear there was a shock, rear shock problem that he wasn't comfortable and he was scared something would go awry. So he just backed it way down and lived to see another day. Uh, so I think Glendale is a hugely important race for Eli Tomac. He needs to bounce back in, in a big way. He needs to be on the podium. End of story, right? Shut everybody up, including me. Answer the questions. And and nobody will point to Detroit and say it was him if he bounces back with a podium this weekend. That's my take on it. If he goes out there and struggles, and it doesn't have to be catastrophic, if he gets fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, that's not a good sign. Uh, that, you know, I, I need to see more than that to feel like Eli is on his way to, to fighting all the way to the end for the title. You know, that that's just what I need to see, because if you look at his results, you know, we know it's been mud. We know there's been a lot of things that were out of his control, you know, with the weather and things. But A1 was horrible. Ninth place. Not good. This weekend, not good. And, and let's just say it wasn't his fault. But two out of five races have been pretty dismal, you know, and, and in the mud of San Diego, I'm giving him a pass because it was muddy and Christian Craig just absolutely cleaned his clock. 
wasn't his fault. So I'm just going to say two out of five have been, yeah, not good. Not what, not up to his level, not what he would expect and not championship contending worthy rides. So that, that's just it. Uh, Cooper Webb is three and man, what could have been for Webb? He was so damn good all day. I don't know how much of them they showed like in practice or whatever, but he was absolutely ripping the heat race. You, you, he probably wins, right? If he doesn't fall over, he probably wins that heat race. If not, if not wins, he's for sure second or third at worst, but he crashed and that put him into a bad gate for the main event. He got a bad start accordingly because he hit a hole on the exit of the rut. And then he wasn't able to get back to where I think he could have been because I think if he gets a top three start, He's in the fight to win. I, I truly think he could have gone with Jet. That doesn't mean he would have beat him. I, I'm not saying that. I just think he could have made things interesting. Maybe he beat Sexton, maybe not. But he was on form. He, he was riding well enough to be in that fight. And a bad start, you know, it's not going to happen. Field's too deep. Those guys are going to be gone on the first lap because they're sprinting and you're in traffic. That's just how it's going to go if you don't get a good start in this class right now. Number two, of course, is going to be Chase Sexton. He has the red plate. Um, you know, I think there's plenty of reasons for him to be content. But the, the big question that he still hasn't answered is, can he pass Jet? Can he, when he's behind Jet, close up to the rear tire, make a decisive move on him, and then seal the deal? He has never done that. He has not done that to Jet Lawrence. And until he does it, I'm going to assume he can't. And maybe that's not fair. But I think that's logical. And you could say, well, Chase is doing the right thing. He's, he's being mature and taking what's coming to him and, and just, you know, racing what's in front. I, I get all that. That's fair. That is fair analysis. And I, I will not argue it. But I truly believe that to win championships, you're going to have to be able to beat Jet, like just straight up. You know, you can't count on Jet making mistakes over and over. That's not what he does over, you know, historically, that's not been his MO. You know, he's not the constant mistake make maker where you can just count on it and set your watch to it. That's not, that's not who Jet Lawrence is. Doesn't mean he won't make more mistakes in this series. I just personally believe if your strategy is just hang in there and let Jet crash himself out of the lead, that's not it. Like that's not going to work. He, he doesn't do that enough, you know, and maybe once in a blue moon, you'll get that. And if that's what you're holding hopes onto, uh, I just think that's a losing strategy for Chase. And I'm not saying he can do anything about it. You know, maybe this is all he has. And he's just like, I can't catch him. Like he's going too fast. I get that. I understand. My perspective is if you're going to be champion though, you've got to figure out a way to do it. You have to figure out a way to beat Jet Lawrence and show him message. The messaging here is so important. He's got to show Jet that he is a threat. Cause right now I think when Jet looks back and he sees Chase, it's, it's a calm feeling. Like he doesn't believe that Chase can come up and pass him. You know, I don't think it, it strikes fear into him. Like somebody like Tomac or somebody like Cooper Webb, he, he knows those guys are so wily and can pass anybody. They've proven it over the years that they can pass anybody. Chase hasn't proven that yet. I, I do not believe Chase has proven that, especially to Jet. So that's just my take. And, and I'm a huge Chase Sexton fan, so I don't take any joy in those comments. That's just my unbiased opinion on the situation. Of course, Jet Lawrence is number one. I wrote duh in my notes because of course he is. Um, he doesn't have the red plate. I get it. But you saw what happens when he gets out front. 
heat race and the main event. Same thing. He, he wins a race. Um, I think he's the fastest guy. He was the fastest qualifier. He won the heat. He won the main event. Um, that's, that's what I expect from Jed. I, I think he's the best rider in the world and doesn't mean he won't have rookie mistakes this year. Doesn't mean he won't, that he will win the championship, but for my money, Jet's the best rider on the planet at the moment. And uh, I think he, he proved that a little bit on, uh, on Saturday. So we'll see what Glendale brings. Um, I think Jet will be very good at Glendale. Um, it's just, I, I think he needs a start though. I, if he starts 10th, it ain't, it's not going to happen. And that's what opens him up to mistakes. That's what opens up the variance is these guys want to get aggressive with him. I think they know that they can rattle him. They saw the emotion that they can bring out of him if they get under his skin. So watch for that dynamic to remain. Uh, if he does get the bad start, guys like Barsha, Anderson, anybody that you can think of that likes to be aggressive, I think they're going to take shots at him to try to bring that out, right? If they can get him thinking about anything but the race itself, then they've already won. And that's going to be a battle between Jet mentally, his team, like his dad, his agent, his brother, everybody he trusts, Johnny O'Mara, like trying to talk him out of that. Like, hey, just stay calm. If somebody gets aggressive, don't take the bait, right? Don't fall into that trap. Don't get involved with them. Like, just stay away from them. If they if they hit you, okay, no word. Don't retaliate because then that's going to open you up to more retaliation from the other side. Like, it's just a tit-for-tat thing that you can't win. There is no upside in that scenario. Let 2022 Jason Anderson and his results of the first half of the season be the evidence you need. It, it is a, it is not a winning, a championship winning formula. End of story. That's all you need to know. So just watch that. If Jack gets to start, he may check out. If he doesn't, uh, we may be in for a wild ride. I just want to see how Jet's mental game develops, right? If he can learn from what happened in San Diego and apply it and just stay out of that nonsense. Cause I truly believe there's no upside in it. It's just, it's hard emotionally to do it, uh, but I think for the greatness that Jed is capable of and where his career is going, it, it is a necessary lesson that he needs to learn. So that's it for this week. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks to the sponsors, and we will talk to you after Glendale. See you.